BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. The theme of this episode is water pollution, and one example of that is the sad story of New Mexico dairy farmer Art Shapps. Shapps owns a dairy farm with 4,000 milking cows. In 2018, Air Force officials tested his well water and found a sky-high level of toxic chemicals called PFAS. Twelve of his 40 wells on his farm were contaminated. Those chemicals can cause cancer, low birth weights, and immune system deficiencies. PFAS are called forever chemicals because they never break down. You'll hear more about them later in the show. PFAS is a key component in firefighting foam used in training exercises at Air Force bases around the country, where they seep into groundwater supplies. The Pentagon admitted this as a problem at over 400 bases. Shap's cattle were contaminated. Now he's out of business. He couldn't sell his milk or his cows. He was once one of the nation's top 25 dairy producers, and now his business is worthless. Nobody's going to buy a farm with polluted water or cows that aren't worth anything. So what did the government do for the last two years to help out our buddy Art? They provided him with bottled water. Wow, thanks a lot, guys. More plastic. The government refused to install expensive filters that would have made his wells usable again or compensated him for his losses. Faced with no other option, Shap sued, just like you and I would do. He tried to get the Air Force to clean up the mess. The government is claiming sovereign immunity. The suit lingers on, but there was hope in the Defense Authorization Act of 2020, where cleaning up PFAS contamination would have listed the chemical as a hazardous substance under the EPA's Superfund law. Sounds like a no-brainer, right? Not so fast. Industry lobbyists persuaded the Senate to defeat the measure. It seems we can always count on the Republican-led Senate to skip over the little guy and side with large corporations. I wish I owned a large corporation. There is some good news, though. The Final Defense Act bill, passed on December 20th of last year, includes a few breakthroughs, like requiring the Department of Defense to stop using PFAS foam at military installations, but not till 2024. The bill also calls on federal agencies and many drinking water utilities to subject the chemicals to greater and more transparent monitoring. 
It requires the Department of Defense to join in agreements with affected communities and allow it to buy certain contaminated land and relocate people living there. Hopefully, our CHAPS is on the list. There were a few other items excluded from the bill, including designating any PFAS chemicals as hazardous substances under the Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act, or requiring the EPA to list those chemicals on the Clean Water Act toxic pollutant list, or even requiring the agency to publish enforceable standards for those chemicals, or require the EPA to regulate air emissions from them, or to direct the EPA to set a national drinking water standard for any PFAS under the Safe Water Drinking Act. The White House pushed the Environmental Protection Agency to loosen the new regulations regarding those chemicals. Who led the charge for that? None other than Nancy Beck, a White House official with a background in the chemical industry who has been nominated to lead the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Beck was a climate villain of the week in episode three of this podcast. Maybe she's angling for trying to win villain of the year. She's off to a good start. PFAS pollution has now been detected in the water of nearly 1,400 communities, and more than 100 million people are likely drinking water contaminated with PFAS. I think it's reasonable to demand clean air and clean water. It's not a liberal position or something somebody living in a red state would want. Wait, I live in a red state. That should be a standard we all live by. The coronavirus has shown us what happens when we deposit fewer poisons in the air and in the water. The air is cleaner, so is the water. Let's get back to work as soon as possible. We all want that but let's figure out a way to keep the poison out of the water. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Our Climate Hero today is Mark Ruffalo. He's got six and a half million followers on Twitter. Ruffalo is perhaps best known for turning green, as in green like the Avengers character, the Hulk. I admire him for his stance on pollution, fracking, his support of the LGBT community, and climate change. Ruffalo is a vegan and encourages us to stop eating so much meat. Ruffalo saw the devastation of fracking in Pennsylvania with documentary filmmaker Josh Fox, mentioned in my previous episode, What the Frack, and helped put a stop to fracking in his home state of New York. Ruffalo met businessman Marco Crapels, and they recruited Mark Jacobson, a scientist and professor at Standard University. They asked him, is it possible for New York State to run on 100% renewable energy. Jacobson said it could be done. The Solutions Project was born. The Solutions Project is trying to accelerate the transition to 100% clean energy, supporting women and communities of color, and a founder of the 100% campaign, designed to celebrate the people driving a transition to 100% clean energy for 100% of the people. Ruffalo has spoken out against natural gas drilling in rural New York, delivered solar trailers to the Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota during the action against the Dakota Access Pipeline, and he's championed green energy. He's raised awareness of so-called forever chemicals that we've talked about, and the accompanying website fightforeverchemicals.com, a website loaded with great information about the movie Dark Waters coming up soon on this episode. Ruffalo has starred in many movies, including Spotlight, 13 Going on 30, his appearance as the Hulk, he was in You Can Count on Me, The Kids Are All Right, and many more. His Hollywood career is noteworthy. In 2012, Ruffalo won an MTV Award for Best Fight for his role in The Avengers. But his true best fight is the one he's having for people like you and me. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Have any of you seen this tweet from Thomas Schultz? On March 17th, he tweeted, Wow, 
Earth is recovering. Air pollution is slowing down. Water pollution is clearing up. Natural wildlife returning home. Coronavirus is Earth's vaccine. We're the virus. That tweet was liked by over 300,000 people. The author felt compelled to clear up any questions about the intent of his post in a later tweet, saying his point was to show that there's some positive in this incredibly bad and dark situation, and that social distancing has proved that the Earth is recovering. He was not saying humans should die. Just be conscious. And another tweet from a lady named Olympia, also with hundreds of thousands of likes. She wrote, Citizens of Wuhan can finally hear birds chirping after years. Venice's water canals are clear and full of fish, and you can even see the Tatra Mountains from Krakow because the smog is lifted. This isn't an apocalypse. It's an awakening. Frankie Boyle, a Scottish comedian with almost 3 million followers on Twitter, offered his take. Feels like we're at a crossroads where either this crisis is seen as a foreshadowing of climate collapse and we transition away from this rotten system, or the human project is stillborn. My view is that nature has been able to blossom in the days since the coronavirus lockdowns because of reduced activities by corporations, not by the actions of individuals. When the virus ends, and if we ever get back to normal, boats will stir up the bottom of the Venetian canals, and clean air in Los Angeles will disappear. Humanity isn't the virus. We power our homes and our cars and our planes, buses, and we run our lives using toxic systems that are killing us. These are choices that powerful industries make for us. 100 companies across the globe are responsible for 71% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Without any significant changes in the way those companies operate, there will be no noticeable long-term change or cure to the current state of the environment. We've let them get away with it. Perhaps this tweet will have a lasting impact. Remember how for the first few months of the coronavirus pandemic we didn't act quickly enough? even though we knew the science and what would happen, and now it's too late and everything's shutting down? That's us with climate change, except it'll be 100,000 times worse. I've got exciting news. I was able to get the private number to reach the head man of the EPA. That's right, I've got the phone number to Andrew Wheeler. There's no doubt Mr. Wheeler will find himself on our Villain of the Week list soon. Our crack team of reporters was able to get the number, I'd like to single out Wheezy McWeeklung for his efforts. I heard rumors that the EPA is taking time off until the election. Considering what damage the EPA is doing when they're working, we're probably better off without having them work at all. I swear to God, when I start talking to Mr. Wheeler, I'm going to be respectful, but I want to get a few things off my chest. Thank you for your call. With great sadness, we have suspended our operations temporarily. Please leave us a message, and our team will get back to you as soon as possible. Damn it. Looks like we'll have to leave a message for him. Mr. Wheeler, this is Rick Friedman from A Breath of Fresh Earth. Please call me back at the number on your phone. I want to ask you why you're turning the Environmental Protection Agency into the Environmental Destruction Agency. Don't hide behind the curtain. Talk to us. I'll try back in the future. Goodbye. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. DuPont is the Villain of the Week. The DuPont family has been one of the richest families in the United States since the mid-19th century, when it founded its fortune in the gunpowder business. In the late 19th and early 20th century, it expanded its wealth through the chemical and automotive industry. 
1951, DuPont began using PFOAs for manufacturing Teflon. DuPont was given specific instructions on how to dispose of this chemical. They were supposed to incinerate it or send it to chemical waste facilities. DuPont pumped hundreds of thousands of pounds of the chemical from its Parkerburg, West Virginia plant into the Ohio River, right into the river. DuPont also dumped thousands of tons of PFOA sludge into pits where it seeped straight into the ground and contaminated the drinking water of nearby communities. DuPont knew in the early 60s that it could cause organ damage in animals. In the 1970s, DuPont found that there were high concentrations of the toxic chemical in the blood of their workers employed at the Washington Works, a waste-filled landfill where they disposed of PFOA. They failed to tell the workers about this discovery. In the 1980s, DuPont confirmed that the chemical was affecting their workers' health. Even then, DuPont didn't make the information public. By the 1990s, DuPont understood that PFOA caused cancerous testicular, pancreatic, and liver tumor in lab animals. And in 93, they created a safer alternative, but didn't switch to the new compound because they were worried it might not work as well and it would decrease their profit. Can't have smaller margins, right, fellas? Who cares if a few people die, but the water is poisoned? When DuPont reached a settlement with the EPA in 2006, after being accused of concealing its knowledge of PFOA toxicity and the presence in the environment, it had to pay millions. But they never had to admit liability. DuPont continues to deny the toxicity of PFOA, and they've denied any wrongdoing. From 1989 to 2001, DuPont was part of the Global Climate Coalition, a group that lobbied against taking action against climate change. In 2001, after President George Bush withdrew the United States from the Kyoto process, the Global Climate Coalition was disbanded. Recent statements from DuPont are encouraging. They support the Paris Climate Agreement and encourage reductions in greenhouse gases. One of their success stories is in Gridstad, Denmark. As of 2017, the site is 100% carbon neutral. DuPont replaced coal fire fuel sources with wood chips, and the site has reduced its own carbon dioxide emissions by 45,000 tons. The new energy generation facility produces surplus that is delivered back into the local community, heating about 3,600 households and displacing additional CO2 emissions. In total, the site expects to reduce emissions by 64,000 tons of carbon dioxide. That's good to hear. But until DuPont accepts responsibility for lying and dumping poison in the ground, I'm not leading the cheering section for DuPont just yet. Thanks for listening. Dark Waters is a 2019 movie based on a true story. Mark Ruffalo, our climate hero this week, stars as attorney Robert Bilot, who fought a long battle against our climate villain, DuPont. When I think of trying to describe Dark Waters, movies like Aaron Brockovich and The Insider come to mind. Corporate bad guys dumping poisonous chemicals in the ground, killing animals and or causing cancer in humans, all to save money without a guilty conscience. When the movie ended, I wanted to drive to Washington, D.C. and yell at somebody, anybody, and force them to watch the movie and ask them, how can you let these things happen? Based on the 2016 New York Times Magazine article from climate fiction author Nathaniel Rich, he wrote the 2013 classic Odds Against Tomorrow, Dark Waters is a political thriller about a corporate defense attorney who switches sides and fights for the common man against the giant corporation. In this case, it's DuPont. Attorney Balat has brought a case about contaminated water by a farmer friend of his grandmother. I defend chemical companies, he tells Wilbur Tennant. 
Tennant provides him with a VHS tape of sickly cows with blackened teeth and swollen gallbladders wrapped in tinfoil. It's really disgusting. And the pair begins a years-long uphill battle against the self-regulated DuPont Chemical Company. Ruffalo's character risks everything, his future, his family, and his own life, to expose the truth. Dark Waters has an IMDb rating of 7.6 and a score of 95 on Rotten Tomatoes from viewers and 94% from top critics. And while we're piling on DuPont for being a horrible company, watch the documentary The Devil We Know. And one more for good measure that ties Ruffalo and DuPont together is the movie Foxcatcher. 2014 American biographical sports true crime drama, the plot is loosely based on the events surrounding the multimillionaire E.I. DuPont family heir and wrestling enthusiast John DuPont's 1986 recruitment of two 1984 U.S. Olympic gold medalist wrestlers, Mark Schultz and his older brother David, to help coach U.S. wrestlers for participation in national, world, and Olympic competition and the subsequent murder of David Schultz in 1996. Wow, DuPont and the DuPont family are really taking a beating on this episode. Sorry, guys, you reap what you sow. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Brian Edward Cox is an English physicist who serves as professor of particle physics in the School of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Manchester. He was appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire and the Queen's 2010 birthday honors for services to science. On March 15, 2011, he won Best Presenter and Best Science Natural History Program by the Royal Television Society for Wonders of the Universe. If you've got Amazon Prime, check out his 2014 special Human Universe or any of the Wonders of specials. Brian Cox at Professor Brian Cox. He has almost 3 million followers. Neil deGrasse Tyson was born and raised in New York City. Tyson earned his B.A. in physics from Harvard and his Ph.D. in astrophysics from Columbia. Not too shabby. Tyson is the recipient of NASA's Distinguished Public Service Medal, the highest award given by NASA to a non-government citizen. His contributions to the public appreciation of the cosmos have been recognized by the Internal Astronomical Union in their official naming of asteroid 13123 Tyson. I don't have anything like that named after me. Tyson is the head of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. You can find Neil Tyson's Twitter account at, at Neil Tyson. He has almost 13 million followers and perhaps best known for hosting Star Talk since 2015. Star Talk is now a popular podcast. Here's a couple of my favorite Tyson quotes. But to carve the Grand Canyon, Earth required millions of years. To excavate Meteor Crater, the universe, using a 60,000-ton asteroid traveling upwards of 20 miles per second, required just a fraction of a second. No offense to the Grand Canyon lovers, but for my money, Meteor Crater is the most amazing natural landmark in the world. I've been to both and think I agree. Regarding whether aliens tried to contact us before we had radio, Tyson had this to say. For all we know, the aliens had already done this and unwittingly concluded that there was no intelligent life on Earth. They would now be looking elsewhere. A more humbling possibility would be if the aliens had become aware of the technologically proficient species that now inhabits Earth, yet have drawn the same conclusion. Today we send warm birthday wishes to Dr. Joanna Haig. On May 7th, she'll be celebrating her 66th birthday. Dr. Haig is a former head of the Department of Physics at Imperial College London. 
Before her retirement last year, she was professor at Atmospheric Physics at Imperial College London and co-director of the Grantham Institute, Climate Change and Environment. Dr. Hay made her name using mathematical models and data from satellites to understand how the sun influences Earth's climate. Her goal was to disentangle the effects of inherent fluctuations in solar energy from those of man-made greenhouse gases. She is certain that we cannot blame the sun or any other natural process for global warming. Haig showed early interest in the weather, building her own weather station back in her garden when she was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I got my father's car stuck in the mud in the Metro Park while I was trying to make out with the homecoming queen. Somehow, with assistance from an unknown force in the universe, or perhaps fear, I got the car out of the mud, drove home, slipped into bed, and thought I was in the clear. In the morning, my dad poked his head in the room and said, Hey, Rick, how come the entire bottom of the car is covered in mud? Yeah, that conversation didn't end well. Grounded and spent the next two hours washing the car. Goodbye, homecoming queen. I guess I should have built a weather station instead. One thing I've learned presenting these birthday celebrations, there's some really smart people out there. Happy birthday, Dr. Haig. I'm humbled and blessed to see the show blossom from February 15th to today, where people are listening from North and South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, and Africa. I want to send a special hello to my two fans in Pakistan. Now, if we can just find a listener in Antarctica, maybe McMurdo Station, then we'll really have something. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next show where I'll be talking about the first climate extinction victim. If you're kind enough to leave a review, I appreciate that very much. Until May 15th, please use common sense if you're heading out into the world. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.